Yo and hello, everyone. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. We're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? We do. It is a foundational television show of our adolescent lives. So we made a podcast about it. So today we're covering episode 13 of Radio Free Roscoe, Sports Radio. That's, That's Ray-dio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really like that we were both about to do that. R-A-Y dash D-I-O. So this episode initially aired October 24th, 2003. It was directed by Chris Grismer and written by Brent Piakowski. It features Adrian Argento as Todd Bell. I totally thought this guy was super cute. I remember like mm. watching this episode and really liking his character of Todd Bell, who's this yeah. jock basketball guy. Yeah. He was just he was just very much my type. I found he's in like one other film. Yeah. Called The Sweetest Hippopotamus, where he plays like like a jazz guitar player in a club it's like a weird kind of period piece where he's yeah he's just this jazz musician but it's like the one other prominent thing he's done nice like he played i think he played like a bit part in an episode of a show called nikita but the sweetest hippopotamus is his other big claim to fame solid hope you're doing well adrian yeah it may sound petty it may seem small but it's still stuck in Pronto's so we open the episode at rfr um I guess right at the tail end of the broadcast, yeah, we have a, a new bit called Pronto's Craw, <laughs> where Ray talks about something that's stuck in his craw. I remember that's one of those like phrases. I remember hearing it on the show and being like, what does that mean? I have not heard that like since this show. Yeah. Point to me where your craw would be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the scientific name, the craw. But it's basically just a, a bit that allows Ray to to rant about a little something that's bothering him. But it's weird to me. So they've got like this little like intro song that Robbie and Lily sing for it together. It's mm-hmm. very cute, very fun. But they do the intro. Ray makes a comment on one thing that's bugging him. The segment's done within 30 seconds. Yeah. And then that's the end of the broadcast. They don't sign off. Yeah. It just ends there. It just ends there. And the theme song's almost longer than the segment. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's very strange that this is the end of the broadcast to me. Yeah. And um, Ray's whole bit is like, um, what's here's what's stuck in my craw is when people ask, what's your problem? And they don't actually want to help me fix it. And then they're like, that was hilarious, man. It's like, was it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah. So he finishes his bits they go off air robbie says the listeners love it and ray's frustrated and he's like yeah all, all 20 of them and they don't know that it's me and ray's you know in his infinite quest for popularity is looking for a little fame a little recognition he's frustrated robbie kind of gets him to leave by saying that they can still catch the cougar game for whatever ambiguous sport is going on i know they could have said any sport yeah like last last episode it was football yeah so who knows uh game's over todd bell my main man great game you were awesome so we cut to the gym ostensibly after the cougars game which turns out to have been a basketball game yes and there are so many balloons so many what is it with a school and balloons so in the gym, they bump into Todd Bell, who is apparently the only ninth grader on the team. And Ray's just kind of cheers him on and tells yeah. him that he was great. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> Robbie teases him for being a little starstruck. Yeah, it's cute. So the boys are goofing around in the gym. Ray goes to shoot a hoop, but doesn't make it. And as it rolls, it's caught under the foot of Kim Carlisle. Kim, Kim Carlisle. We, we haven't seen, seen her in, in so while. long. She's wearing very, like, business shoes. Like, yeah. on a business team. Yeah. 
we find out that Kim is there to try to poach Ray for Cougar Radio and to get him to be the the new sports like broadcaster for it. And Robbie's intervening because obviously he's got old beef with Kim. One thing that I was wondering about this scene is like, what reason does Kim have to go to Ray? Like, what is she so impressed by? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I like what you got. You should be on the radio. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's no build up to this. Yeah. We just know vaguely that he's a sports fan. Maybe because he had school spirit in the last episode. Maybe. But like... I feel like the I feel like the pantsing episode would have made it around the school and that would have been reason enough to not put him on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> put me on the radio or I'll take off my pants. <laughs> but yeah, um and the fact that Kim like goes to the gym to find him. Yeah. It's very, very odd. You can clearly see Ray's pretty conflicted because this is kind of the chance he's been looking for to be Ray Brennan. Yo and hello, I'm Kim Carlisle. And now I would like to introduce to you our new basketball analyst. Ray Brennan, you have two minutes. We jump right into Ray's kind of audition for Cougar Radio, and the gang is in the cafeteria listening, and are less than impressed that Ray is thinking of jumping ship. But also, they're listening on a tiny radio at their table when it's already playing over the school speakers. (laughs) That's true! That's true! That's really weird. It's a very odd thing for this set people to miss. Yeah, so Ray made his decision pretty quickly there, and it looks like he's... Joining the Cougar Radio team. Transitioning back to RFR for that day's broadcast, we are graced with another Shady Lane song. And this one is about having a lot of library finds. So if I don't graduate, it's because I turned in Animal Farm two months late. The late fee song triggers many flashbacks for me <laughs> of my own time in ninth grade <laughs> when I had a lot of late fees. Oh, man. So so the story time is my junior high school was around the corner from a branch of the Calgary Public Library. And I used to just get tons and tons of stuff out. Like it was where I de- developed a lot of my music taste was I would just get out tons and tons of CDs and, you know, books and stuff. I think it was mostly CDs, but I would be getting out like manga and stuff like that, being the little nerd that I was. I think it all culminated in March break uh everything was due around the same time but i didn't have a way to get the books there by myself and it didn't really occur to me to ask like our dad to like drive me there which would have just solved the whole thing because i had i basically had 99 items out from the library like you completely maxed out the limit of oh god items you could take it at once i did and i just didn't i didn't think about doing any of the math for the fines or anything like that i can't even remember how much the fine for per day was i just kind of thought like well it's probably not going to be that bad i'll just you know i'll take them back when i get to school and i'll take them back like you know as much as i can at a time so eventually got everything back and you know i thought i'd give it a few days for them to process everything and put my fees through on my card and to this day i can't remember the exact number but i logged into my account and the fees were somewhere between three and four hundred (laughs) dollars which i could not afford as a broke ass 14 year old who hadn't worked a job yet (laughs) so i just kind of let my library card expire and then we moved and then we moved and yeah that was the end of my relationship with the calgary public library i actually went to the beautiful new central branch of the calgary public library when i went to calgary last summer and yeah, I was very relieved to see that, you know, I didn't 
burst into flames or I wasn't immediately apprehended or anything. Yeah, like there that. weren't any like most wanted posters. Yeah, that was around. the joke in our family for a while is yeah. that the library was going to hunt me down. Well, yeah, for a long time that that was like why I told people we moved. <laughs> you were on the run. Yes, I was on the run from the library system. But for reals, though, support your libraries. They're yeah. the best. <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing to do right now. But, yes. Uh, no, it's true. When everything is up and running again, which hopefully it, it will be in a, in a few weeks. Check your library's digital collection, though. You can still access that. Yes. Go on, uh, what is it, Hoopla? Hoopla yes. and Canopy. Yes. And you can get out ebooks and shit. Yeah. And I think you can still get uh, a LinkedIn learning access yeah, with, you uh, with your library account. So yeah. You know, if if at the time that this is coming out, you're in a place where you have to just be at home and away from everyone for a while, check out some resources from your local library, pick up a new mm-hmm. skill, and, and try to find ways to, to focus on personal growth. Yes. And also just chilling. Take care of yourself. A little PSA from the Roach Sisters. We love you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Lily's late fee song prompts question mark to... For his wondering of the day, talk about what other late fees you might charge in your life if you could. He talks about late fees for teachers who return you like stuff that's way too late. I have a few teachers I could, I would love to char- have charged late fees for. I have college professors. Yeah, that's exactly who I'm thinking. <laughs> One of my classes in high school started right after lunch. Yeah. So people would often show up late for it. And uh, my teacher had a toonie jar at the front. And yeah, I think the policy was two in her toonie. So if you showed up late to class, you would either have to pay $2 or you'd have to sing a song in front of the entire class. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah, she went hard. That's wild. <laughs> yes. So I always made sure I had a toonie on me just in case because there was no way in hell I was going to sing in front of anybody. Nope. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we're not in school anymore. <laughs> God. Yeah, they're having the discussion on light fees and Ray's clearly distracted. He's making notes on a clipboard, probably for his other show that he's doing now. Lily tries to get his attention, get him to chime in, and he just kind of brushes her off. And everyone else is very visibly frustrated. Yes. <laughs> and Travis says, this is my time to shine. Yeah. I'm <laughs> he tries to, to chime in with like a pronto style bit. You know what I find weird about the word late? That we use it when we talk about dead people, as in the late Elvis Presley. Don't go saving the bean dip. I think the king's going to be just a little bit more than tardy. I am going to work that into conversation from now on. <laughs> if I'm ever going to be late to anything, I'm going to say, don't go saving the bean dip. I think the king's going to be a little more than tardy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, don't go saving the bean dip, boys. Don't go saving my bean dip. I couldn't if I tried. Because <laughs> I threw out the lid and it will expire tomorrow. <laughs> It's got dairy involved. <laughs> Nobody smells. <laughs> Swish alicious. That's the sound of Todd Bell's winning basket. So Ray has Roscoe High Cutie Todd Bell on his uh, Cougar Radio sports show. Teen heartthrob. And we see that Ray's kind of a, a natural in this sports gig. It's, yeah. It's going really smoothly and he's having a good time with it. Todd calls him his main man, Rayman. And as the segment ends, we see Kim at the door. Ray thinks that he's in trouble. But she presents him with a Cougar Radio Letterman jacket. That's intense. Yeah. For a school radio station? That's sick. <laughs> My God. I mean, like, I was I was a band kid. I think we've discussed in school. 
And like you would always get a t-shirt for mm-hmm. the band trips because they would need like a visual indicator, especially when we were like at airports to yeah. just be able to point out everyone in a group, you know, because yes, they're responsible child, for all of these, these teens. And they were fun. Like we would always sign each other. So yeah. I've still got mine because my friends signed all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in grade 12, we got the greatest surprise that we were all getting like high school music pullover hoodies. Ah! And we flipped out. Aww. Like it was like a band morning. So it's like 6.45 a.m. Yeah. We're all like getting, you know, settled for practice. And they like hold up a sweater and everyone lost their minds over getting a pullover. So like this high school giving out Letterman jackets to these Cougar Radio DJs who, again, we never see anybody but Kim. We know that there was a previous person in the sports role because Robbie makes a joke about her scaring him off. Yeah. But my God. Yeah. Where's the budget for this? Well, you know, I think it's pretty clear all the budget goes into sports and radio and not science. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Waller does does love Cougar Radio so much. It yeah. makes sense that he would allocate a lot of resources to it. So much. I The, the one kind of standout piece of gear i have is i have this weird sort of athletic-y windbreaker-y type thing yeah from from being involved in the speech club yes so it has like our 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 school mascot the the cardinal embroidered and it says speech and debate and i just i love the choice of garment because it's very much like something you'd wear maybe when you're like out jogging or something like that i'm like we're fucking speech and debate <laughs> like... speak real fast <laughs> my words are like... aerodynamic Kim gives Ray this jacket. Robbie's sort of approaching the station as Ray wraps things up. He asks Ray if Ray wants to go to lunch, and Ray apologizes, but he's made plans to have lunch with Todd already. And Robbie looks real sad. Yeah, this is probably the most Robbie Ray conflict that we're getting, aside from why are you being such a jerk? Why are you being such a jerk. He'll be here. Relax. Nothing's more important to Ray than our farm. This very angsty song starts playing as the gang is waiting for Ray to show up, and they're about to go on the air, and there's no sign of him yet. And Lily's upset, but Robbie tries to say, you know, we didn't get upset when you were late last week. And she says, I was getting my wisdom teeth removed. So she was getting her wisdom teeth removed. And then she came to the show. I don't think you could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she would Super high on dental meds, <laughs> Lily. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's like a, a liability issue because she could say anything yeah. and like reveal their identity. But yeah. also she'd probably, you know, like her face would be frozen or maybe yeah. she would have like some gauze in her mouth. I, yeah. I don't think that makes for good radio voice. Hey, do you have a new song for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. But also, she says that uh, Pronto's Craw is going to be on in one minute, so yeah. apparently now it's opening the show. Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> the show's really short now. They just turn it off after. Well, for for all of Robbie's need for a very specific schedule and everything to be super organized, things are very nebulous these past few episodes. Oh, yeah. They're just experimenting. Yeah. Um, welcome to the Smog Advisory. Now, when someone plays a trick on you, why do they call it a practical joke? So the show starts, Ray is not there yet. So they get Travis to try to improv his own variant of Pronto's Craw, which he calls the The Smog smog Advisory. And his whole bit is about practical jokes. And he like goes off on this little tangent and Ray walks in. So we can just hear Travis kind of talking in the background. Very quietly. And yeah, it's like this like, ASMR yes. of like Travis being like my friend Jeff 
And then you only you can only hear like little snippets of it over Ray talking to Robbie and Lily, but you just get big, big red, red hair, hair and then brown paper bag. <laughs> I really so I want to know what this practical joke is. I know. Was. Although and it's funny cuz he's essentially what Smog is doing is the same bit that Pronto was doing cuz Pronto was all like why why do people ask me what my problem is and they don't want to solve it? And Smog's thing is like, why do they call it practical yeah. jokes when they're impractical? Yeah. Like, why don't you do my homework? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's it's not a bad bit. It's not. It's just his delivery. It's just a different really. delivery. It's so, very extremely chill. So we find out that Ray has only come in to apologize. He's not actually there for the show. He has to go off and, and do an interview, but he says Travis can handle it. And Travis is like, yeah, yeah. look at me, I'm doing it. Yeah, I can handle this. I like in um the B-roll for going into the next scene, we get a shot of like, it looks kind of like a Rock'em Sock'em Robots yeah. kind of thing, except it's like two little characters playing like ping pong against each other. <laughs> yeah, so we go to Mickey's and Ray's give, getting like apology beverages for everyone. He gives Lily like this giant cup of hot cocoa with whipped cream that I'm just like, ah, <laughs> give me hot cocoa yes. all the time. He, he gives Robbie a latte because he likes him a latte. Oh, Which yes. like, latte's at 14. That's wild. I mean, like- I mean, I, Robbie's sophisticated. He yeah. has deep thoughts about Radiohead on the Empire State Building. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised for like kids- kids these days but when i was 14 my starbucks order was a vanilla bean frap because it was basically a milkshake yeah the only time that i had coffee was when mcdonald's would do its free coffee days oh yes because my middle our middle school was across from a yeah uh, mcdonald's and there would be like a week where it would they would give out like small free coffees so like everybody, like all of these middle schoolers would just go and get coffee and it would be like, we put like seven sugars in it. Oh my like, gosh, Like it was like yeah. purely milk and sugar, but we would get like so hyped up. Yeah. After those kind of like sweet, like little sentiments with each drink, he gives Travis a, a tea that looks like dirt. <laughs> and Travis looks very happy yeah, about it. Yeah, it's sweet like, oh, in its own way. Just a quick aside about the mall that our junior high was across from. I was actually talking with our parents about that mall the other day. And when I was kind of like Googling to see if there were any like recent like updates with it, I found one comment that described it as the pastel colored embodiment of sadness. Oh, <laughs> no. It's definitely past its glory. Oh, yeah. That's that's like a nostalgic mall because, I mean... My friends and I would just go to it every day oh, yeah. for lunch. I mean, there was a couple of like niche stores that are like very nostalgic for us yeah. that that closed in our childhood. But there was um Kamikaze, which was Kamikaze. like a cool comic book kind yeah. of collectible place. I got so many little odd Sailor Moon things there. Yeah, and then there was the Back to Nature store, which was kind of um. It was just a hodgepodge of cool stuff, like yeah. little like instruments and like it had one of those like little gemstone centers where you can get like pretty little rocks yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was, was a like cool place. kind of like a, a niche toy store. Up until recently, it, it last far outlasted either of those stores, but there was one called Beads and, Plenty, and more, Plenty More, which was just like this massive bead store yeah. which lasted for a long time. It was impressive for a specialty store to last that long. They must have been like monopolizing the bead game in Calgary for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's weird. I like as I get older and become more aware of kind of consumerism in general, <laughs> yeah. I try to not attach nostalgia to stores and, and shopping in that experience. But it's it's hard not to when those were kind of like special places that we would go to. Like if we'd go to the mall with our parents, it was exciting to, to go to those places. Yeah, I think it's in some ways it's about like 
not necessarily attaching those feelings to like the buying of the thing, but mm-hmm. just by being together about the feelings you had, like when you were like getting your first album and oh, stuff yeah. like that. We had a class party near the end of the year in grade seven and they were watching Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And me and like six of my friends, for some reason, just didn't want to watch it. Like yeah. we just didn't want to watch Lord of the Rings. It's not into it. And they had set up the movie in a couple classes down. So our classroom was actually empty because everyone had moved down to that classroom and our teacher was like, you, you can just hang out here if that's Aww. what, like, the party is for you guys. You just hang out in this classroom. And we're like, okay. So a little, like, later into the afternoon, our teacher came in and he gave us, like, 20 bucks and was like, can you guys go to the Walmart across the street and get some ice cream and some cookies and just get snacks for everybody? And we were like, yeah, okay. So, like, middle of the afternoon, like, during what was supposed to be class time, we just went across... We got like one of the big four liter tubs of ice cream. Oh my gosh. And yes. we made ice cream sandwiches for our whole class and we delivered them. That's was, so cool. It was just kind of like special and fun. Yeah. You know, there's as as sad a mall as it is. I mean, it was a pretty small mall in its prime. Yeah. But like the little memories that I have of the and the conveniences of being so close to that mall yeah. are special. Uh so special, so many memories. Yeah. If you wanna go sit with them, go for it. <sighs> Are you sure? Because I can stay here with you guys. You can go. So in the middle of trying to apologize to his friends, all the basketball boys come in and Ray really wants to go hang out with them. So he leaves them. He drops the drink tray in Travis's lap. (laughs) Goes to hang out with the basketball boys. Yeah. And then we get a montage of Ray being friends with all of these basketball boys. We get the return of the sweet Sweet shirt. shirt. I love that shirt. And we see that Kim has made a t-shirt out of his radio catchphrase, Swishalicious. And the the last part of the montage is so great. It's just like the team and Ray wearing sunglasses walking through the cafeteria, high-fiving people. They're not cool sunglasses. No. They're like the very thin black plastic wraparound kind of sunglasses. Very chunky. Good news, Ray. You're a hit. Normally it would bug me, but since I discovered you and be taking all the credit, I'll be happy. So back in the DJ booth, we see Ray finish another segment of Basket Babble, mm-hmm. um, his his segment that's going really well. Just chilling Kim, with Todd. Kim tells him that he's a hit and that she wants to move his segment to after school. And he says, I, I can't. I've got commitments. And she's like, I need an answer on this right now. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of girls come by. And draw a heart on the glass around his face. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I have this, like, note in my notes that just says, but you like Lily, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's been willing to kind of drop that every now and then when he's yeah. got a chance. Oh, Ray. It's, yeah. it's amazing, like, the back and forth. Because we've seen pretty much in every episode something that's, like, him making a comment about liking her or psyching yeah. himself up to talk to her. And then we have bits like this where he's like, ooh, girls. Oh, wait, I like girls. I like the girls. I'm a dumb 14-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ray's loyalties are apparently shifting a little bit Yikes. as he commits to being a cougar radio DJ. Commit to the bit. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to our uh, CanCon commercial break. This week, we're talking about... Um, Maybe a, a little known, little remembered, little loved show. <laughs> little loved, yep. Um, of our childhood. We're going to be talking about Monster by Mistake. Hi, my name is Warren, and I'm just a kid like you. Or I was until I found Evil Gargle's Magic Jewel. Then he tricked me, and I read a spell. Now every time 
So Monster by Mistake aired from 1996 to 2003 on YTV. It was on for seven years? Okay, let, I need to clarify that because when I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? So to be clear, the pilot aired in 1996. Oh. The rest of season one didn't air until three years later in 1999. Season two came out in 2000. Season three was in 2003. So it had three seasons. Okay, okay. <laughs> to I was clarify. Like, good God help us. Who yes. thought it was a good idea to keep that on for seven years? <laughs> yes. Um, initially, the pilot ran as like a Halloween special every year before oh. the full show was out. Okay. It was co-produced by Catapult Productions and CGI Entertainment. Wow. No Nelvana on this one. I know. So the IMDb synopsis says, An eight-year-old boy named Warren accidentally gets mixed up in a magic spell and turns into a monster every time he sneezes. Yikes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, he gets cursed by Gorgul the Sorcerer, and the show follows him, his older sister Tracy, and Johnny B. Dead, a trumpet-playing ghost. Oh! Oh my god, I remember the ghost now. He's got like this whole Jimmy Durante stick or something. <laughs> yeah. Shtick, not stick. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Jimmy Durante's stick. So a, a bit about the production companies. Catapult Productions, their only other IMDb credit is for Shooters, which is a 2002 crime drama. Oh, like uh, like a live action? Yeah. So I, I don't know about that. Um, CGI Entertainment, uh, which was, I believe, Cambium at the time. On IMDb, they're credited as having produced Sharon Lois and Bram's Elephant Show. So, like, they've been involved in some other major Aww. things. They were acquired by Nine Story Entertainment, which produced Clifford the Big Red Dog and Aww. even the Big Wide World and nice. shows like that. This is a blur from the Wikipedia page that says, The two companies partnered in Studio 345, a computer animation and former Sears catalog production facility what? for the production of the show, which was made using Houdini software. Nice. Someone really likes shitposting about this show. Like really? It's, it's it's amazing the edits that I have found to uh, Wikipedia pages and the wiki. We will get into the wiki. It's disgusting. Oh, um, man. In the Tumblr tag for Monster by Mistake, <laughs> oh, no. someone took a screenshot of that same paragraph that I just said about those production companies, which at the time had another line after that paragraph that said, this software choice proved to be ill-fated when all the footage created at Studio 345 miraculously escaped the facility and made it onto TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know so who snarky. took the time to go and troll the Monster oh, by Mistake Wikipedia page, but that's like... That's really great. That was a good bit. So the show was created by Mark Mayerson. Um, I can basically tell you everything you need to know about him just oh. by his LinkedIn bio. Oh my he's, god! He's really detailed it all himself. Uh, currently retired, my career in animation included time in both drawn and computer animation. While my main task was always animating, I also did modeling, rigging, and some lighting and technical direction. Starting in the early 90s, I pitched various projects to TV and managed to get one, Monster by Mistake, on YTV in Canada and on Disney Channel in Europe. I worked as a writer, director, and producer on that series, which lasted 52 episodes. In addition, I wrote two episodes of Franklin the Turtle and one for Jacob Tutu for Nelvana. Nelvana comes back, baby. No, Nelvana. I'm a former member of the Writers Guild of Canada. I've contributed articles on animation and animation history to various publications, including Animation Magazine, Animation World Network, FPS, Animation Blast, and The Velvet Light Trap. I contributed to two books edited by Jerry Beck, Animation Art, and The 100 Greatest Looney Tunes. My website contains articles I wrote, my sculptures, and my comics. So you can find his work on Marison Creative. 
um he's he's talented he's cool I, like he's a he's a cool sculptor he's got Multi-threat. some cool stuff nice um he started teaching animation at sheridan college in ontario in 2004 and retired june 2019 wow yeah he's also got um a blog spot called Mayerson on animation where he posts kind of think pieces on various artists and kind of reblocks things that are happening in the industry and kind yeah. of his insights on that and he also has a master's degree from york in cinema and media studies cool yeah so job, uh Mark. yeah he's he's done um a lot of cool stuff sorry hey. for dunking so hard on your show <laughs> even though i'm sorry your show's not, not good, good yeah, but sorry your show's not good so arnie zapersky is listed as an executive producer he's from winnipeg and is the co-founder of cgi entertainment um he is the executive producer for a ton of things including sharon lois and brum's elephant show um, Nihilus the Sandman, The Ripping Friends, which I think our dad likes. Oh, shit. I remember The Ripping yeah. Friends. Um, Harry and his Bucket Full of Dinosaurs, Extreme Babysitting, and then a ton of Christmas TV movies, of Oh, course, hell yeah. Including Anything But Christmas, A Majestic Christmas, A Christmas for the Books, Christmas Around the Corner, Rock and Roll <laughs> Christmas, Grand for Christmas, and Christmas 9 to 5, which I was disappointed to find is not just a holiday version of the film 9 to 5. But it does star Tia Surkar, so that's kind of fun. She's um, Vicky on The Good Place. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. You may know Arnie Zapersky best for uh, Undercover Grandpa, a 2017 film starring James Caan. The fuck? <laughs> when the girl he likes goes missing, Jake enlists the help of his grandpa and grandpa's former special ops buddies. It's Jesus got a- Christ. Dylan Everett and James Caan featuring Jessica Walter. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's got some real people in it. Wow. Like, what is this? Why do I want to watch it? <laughs> and then this is a weird crew credit. So there's a series music credit for Bruce Fowler. Uh, Bruce Fowler played the trombone in the scores for A Bug's Life and Monsters, Inc. Wow. He's also an orchestrator. He's a composer and an orchestrator. But he was the orchestrator for Rugrats in Paris, the movie. He was the score orchestrator for Christopher Robin. And the supervising orchestrator for Dunkirk. Jesus. What? (laughs) (laughs) And what was his role in Monster I Mistake again? He's just got a series music credit on IMDb. Like, I don't know specifically what he did, but he's like listed in the music department. That's a glow up if we've ever seen one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, that's that's weird. But go Bruce Fowler. That's cool. Yeah. We need a Bruce Fowler career retrospective and just like focus (laughs) it entirely on Monster by Mistake. It's very interesting. So uh, we'll go into some some names in the cast here. So you've got Julie Lemieux as the voice of Warren, the main character. But I sneeze all the time because of my allergies. I don't want to be a monster. Um, you may know Julie Lemieux best for being the voice of Rupert Bear. She's got various credits on Sticking Around, Angela Anaconda, Delilah and Julius. She was Sela or Sela in Redwall. So okay, yeah. So like tons of stuff that we've talked about before. Um, Sammy, what's the Sailor Moon connection on this one? <laughs> yes, I recognize that name right away. Julie the Mew voiced Sammy, Serena's younger brother. Mm-hmm. She's still working in the industry, recently as Grandma Steak in Cupcake and Dino General Services, the theme song of which is stuck in my head at any given point in the day. Yeah. I love it so much. Cupcake and Dino, Cupcake and Dino. General Services. It's so catchy. I love it. So, yeah, she, she voiced Warren, the main character. Hillary Cooper voiced Tracy, the sister. Um, her only other credit is as a receptionist in Stargate SG-1. And That's then, very Canadian. <laughs> and then William Colgate voiced Johnny B. Dead. They sure did a nice job cleaning up this horn. Oiled the valves, polished it up. 
It looks practically new. The Wikipedia link is wrong. It redirects to William Colgate of toothpaste fame. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Who died in 1857, but it's a, <laughs> it's a ghost, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe his ghost voiced it. I don't know. Maybe it's William Colgate of the Colgate Palm Olive Company. Who knows? <laughs> No, but the actual William Colgate who played this role was also Mr. Mole on Franklin, Aww. Chamberlain in Jane and the, and the Dragon, and did additional voices in Rupert Bear. Other cool, prominent names in the recurring voice cast. Um, those include Tony Rosado as Warren and Tracy's dad. Oh, cool. So he was a member of SETV in 1980 and then SNL in 1981 for one year during the time where it wasn't really a great time to be part of SNL. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Um, but he voiced Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers 3 TV series. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It's a stone Luigi. And then he was also Aldo the best boy in Amanda's, which was the B. Arthur Faulty Towers adaptation. Oh yes, I've heard of that. Yes. Jane Eastwood voiced their Aunt Dolores. She was one of the OG members of the Toronto Second City group appearing in SCTV regularly. She got her start acting in commercials with Gilda Radner and Andrea Martin. Sick. Which is very cool. She also played Betty in Going Down the Road, which was a huge piece of Canadian cinema. That's where I know the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is like a big, very depressing <laughs> yeah. 1970s road movie that yeah. is like emblematic of English Canadian cinema. Yeah. Just two Newfoundland boys trying to go to Toronto to make their fortune and utterly failing. <laughs> yeah, just just trying to find work. But yeah, that's that's like a huge, huge piece of media to do monster by mistake. Well, huge piece of media in English-Canadian cinema. Yes. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. <laughs> but she's had a long, prominent career with roles in major movies like Chicago, Hairspray, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, just a ton of stuff. That's awesome. Uh, Len Carlson was the voice of Gorgul, who is the sorcerer that curses Warren. Um, <laughs> he so was the OG show. voice of the Green Goblin in the 60s Spider-Man series. Oh my god! Hell yeah. Ganon in the Legend of Zelda series. Wait, what? Uh, he voice acted in Rocket Robin Hood. <laughs> Holy shit! And, like, this is, this is all for dad at this point. He also voiced all the male characters in the Toothbrush family, which my parents showed me. <laughs> It's just the worst cartoon I've ever seen. Oh no, I don't know this one. It's just, it's just toothbrushes. There's just toothbrushes. Oh my god. It sucks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Len Carlson. There's a character named Miss Gish voiced by Barbara Franklin. Uh, the Wikipedia link for Barbara Franklin redirects to the 29th U.S. Secretary of Commerce from 1992 to 1993 to President George H.W. Bush. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's the same person. I could be wrong. So I found a couple of fun things in the Tumblr tag for Monster by Mistake. Sick. I'm so excited. I mean, the fact that there is a tag that people use and are active in is incredible. Um, But there's a lot of people posting pictures of just like finding DVDs. So there were three DVDs of the show released. They both had like just a couple of episodes each. Yeah. But like people will post pictures of them like finding them at like discount. Oh my God. Wreck. It very much feels like something you would find at Giant Tiger. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's I feel like fun. this is something we have to find together. I like this text post that says, a third of my energy goes to my job. A third of my energy goes to my classes. A third of my energy goes to a monster by mistake AMV I'm currently working on. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
for some reason, there are multiple users requesting a Rule 34 for Monster by Mistake. Fuck. Why? Fuck. Who? Like, Oops. who? What's the parry? I don't want it. And then <laughs> somebody linked to, like, a Vimeo Johnny B. Ghost or Johnny B. Dead, whatever his name is, yeah. tribute. Colgate. That's just, like, like slow-zooming slideshow screenshots of pictures of him to music. And they added the text... The show Monster by Mistake is a revolutionary program aired on YTV, the bane of children's television, at an hour somewhere between I'm at daycare and Mom wanted me to shut up so she stuck me on the couch by the remote. (laughs) It is about a boy who sneezes and turns into a giant blue Play-Doh model of a Yeti. Why? Who knows? A question for our generation. Johnny the motherfucking trumpet playing ghost symbolizes what each of us as human beings with both a biologically empirical and psychologically metaphysical component wish we could attain. He is a hell beast from the other world, <laughs> cursed to haunt the attic of two pinch ass buggers <laughs> named blonde boy I don't care about and shitty detective girl while they do fuck all. <laughs> Truly a heartwarming companionship delving into the recesses of human want and need. Oh no. Now, this this did start in the late 90s, so we do have to take the kind of production quality, the animation quality with a grain of salt. But it's real ugly, you guys. It's real ugly. So, kind of in the vein of our previous episode, the theme song is very much like, it tells you all of the plot. It's yeah. a full minute long. It tells you everything you need to know. Why are you watching this show? Yeah. I also want to know, in his bio, Mark Marison said he pitched a few ideas for TV. If this is the one that made it, I want to know what the other ones were. Yeah, that's a very good question. What the hell kind of premise? <laughs> Every time he sneezes, he turns into a giant blue monster. Mark, send us your other pitches. <laughs> yes. Fighting episodes of this series are rare. Um... According to uh, the Lost Media Wiki, there's only about 10 episodes that you can find on the internet, and there were only three DVDs available that were ever released that you may be able to find on eBay or somewhere if you're really looking for them. But why would you want to? But yeah, I think about 45 of the um, series episodes are considered lost. Wow. Um, Is anyone looking for them? (laughs) what, What a huge loss. Uh, there is, like, kind of a, a meme that's been going around. This is a tweet from Nick Dunn that says, Remember Warren from Monster by Mistake? This is him now. Feel old yet? And it's Warren beside Thanos. <laughs> 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 because th- they very much do have, like, the same oh, head shape. Yeah, did the character designer for Thanos, like, grow up on Monster <laughs> by Mistake? Monster by Mistake. Um, and then there's a Twitter thread of, like, a theory that goes along with that. That says, Warren Patterson's curse eventually takes him over. Monster by mistake, MCU. I propose that Patterson's curse becomes too much and takes him over. He eventually remains in his monstrous form and becomes much closer to Gorgul, a similarly grotesque and neglected figure. Gorgul, after being released from his hamster ball prison, teaches Patterson in the ways of sorcery. Patterson becomes more and more powerful, in turn leaving Earth and moving to Saturn's moon Titan. It is here that he sheds his name of Warren Patterson and begins his reign as Thanos. That's incredible. Yeah. That's fantastic. Shockingly, there's no change.org petition for this one. Oh, really? Nobody wants it back. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a fandom wiki for it, so I guess it has fans. Fuck. Um, (laughs) This bit's kind of funny. So this is from the wiki page for Warren, like his character page. As the show progressed, the show tackled more and more complex topics. 
and Warren started uncovering the hidden truths of the universe that society deems uncouth, hiding them under a guise of ignorance. At the beginning of season two, episode eight, Warren discovers that humans aren't all created equally. And in season three, episode one, Warren confirms that vaccination doesn't work. <laughs> oh my God. Also in the gallery for this page, there's a picture of this kid's like Warren's head photoshopped onto a muscular man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know who's trolling the monster by mistake wiki page, but it's insane. That's, in- oh my God. That's incredible. Oh my God from the the page for johnny the ghost johnny and warren are officially a transpiritual couple as of episode 69 episode 69 is usually known as the turning point for most fans longtime fans saw this as the downfall of monster by mistake stating this relationship a serious shift in tone newer fans however appreciated the transpiritual relation between warren and johnny seeing it as a progressive direction for the show the show was canceled after episode 70. <laughs> and then there's a page for, I guess, like, Gorgul's servant character. I I don't believe anything on this wiki page, but the character's name is listed as being John Creton. John Creton. Uh, the servant is a 42-year-old man who is married and has four children. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's a controversy section to this page. <laughs> It says, in the episode Back in Time, season one, episode 12, Tracy and Warren got sent to the past to meet with Johnny B. Dead when he was alive. The servant enters the portal, but gets sent somewhere else to a different time. Near the end of the episode, he reemerges from the portal, and when Gorg will ask him where he was, the servant answers, helping a close friend of mine with their final solution boss, waving a hairbrush just below his nose. <laughs> Oh my god! The show's creators explained that he had the hairbrush because he was brushing his hair, but critics pointed out that John has no hair. Other critics of the show also pointed out that the servant was intended to be a political attack on former Canadian Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, <laughs> citing that their names are very similar and a natural disaster when the servant suffers a stroke. <laughs> who did this? Jesus who, Christ. Who went into this wiki page and wrote all of this that's oh that's dedication why would this be how you spend your so time? much wasted energy it's absolutely it's just insane the show sucks but like why are you doing this <laughs> um here's here's two reviews from imdb uh one from each end of the spectrum nice this first one says good and misunderstood i have read the reviews for the show and most of them are complaints of the animation what these people don't realize is that Monster by Mistake is one of the world's first fully CGI animated TV shows, meaning that it, of course, won't have greatly advanced animation by today's standards. Back in 1996, fully computer animated shows were revolutionary, and these people need to realize that, at the time, they didn't have the advanced technology they have today. If it wasn't for shows like Monster by Mistake and Reboot, the US would have not at all, or been late to, create its popular CGI shows today such as Jimmy Neutron in Penguins of Madagascar. Yes, the show's plot is kind of lame, but the show is not just about a boy sneezing and turning into a monster. It is a boy who has had this curse put on him by some douche wizard, and he learned to use this curse to help him solve mysteries. This sends a great message of optimism and always trying to make the best out of a bad situation. This is exactly what the protagonist did. Wow. <laughs> this review is called Ugh. <laughs> 
I have seen good little kid shows. Seven Little Monsters. Actually, I really like it. It's a good show. Even Care Bears may be better than this show. This show is boring because everybody is so stupid. Barely anybody knows that Warren is the monster, and the only people who are actually funny are the people who are at least a little smart. All in all, a little kid might find this amusing. We're talking a four or five-year-old, but if you're older than ten, you're in for a boring time. Now about it, well, it is about a boy who sneezes and turns into a monster. It is supposed to be about him and his sister trying to find a cure for him, but he instead runs all over the city helping people and does not even seem to care about being a monster. <laughs> Two out of ten. Basically another boring little kid show. Nice. <laughs> so that's Monster by Mistake. Um, If you don't remember it, good. Yeah, it, it was a mistake. <laughs> it was a mistake. I I feel bad because, I mean, there's obviously, you know, people involved in the show who... It believed in it, invested in it. But it's just so bad. It's just really bad. It's I, I couldn't even, like... Because usually I'll try to watch, like, a full or part of an episode to review this, and I just couldn't do it with this one. No, it's... It's, it's hard to look at. Awful. It's hard to listen to. But yeah, to, to kind of cap it off, I'll do the Six Degrees of RFR. This one's a, a kind of weird, cool connection, actually. Oh. So Anita Capilla wrote six episodes of Monster by Mistake, she also wrote an episode of Radio Free Roscoe, uh, episode 17, Written in the Stars. <gasps> Love that one. Yeah. We're going to so be coming up to that soon. I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into her a little bit more um, when we get to that episode it's coming up. But I will say she's also currently a writer and co-executive producer for Kim's Convenience. Sick. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah. So she's working in the industry in like a very cool, successful cbc show right now another monster by mistake glow up so congrats to the all the people who have created prominent careers post this show yes <laughs> looking you, at you bruce you really did it <laughs> good job bruce good job anita we're proud of you yes we're not proud of monster by mistake we don't even they need don't ray i bet the show's gonna be better than ever without him Lily's really quick to abandon Ray in this episode. Yeah, yeah, we we go back to uh, RFR and they're all just kind of listening to Ray's broadcast and they're all kind of sitting there sadly thinking about his betrayal of them. And, you know, Lily says, we don't even need Ray, but Robbie's very troubled because that's his best buddy. Lily's probably just yeah. sick of Ray's antics Yeah, and could use a break. <laughs> See you after the game. You can help celebrate our win. Really? Yeah, that would be cool, man. I gotta say, I love the look of this high school jock boy wearing an oversized striped polo tucked into his belted pants. He's mad with power. He's like untouchable. He can wear whatever he, he wants. He can wear whatever. He he looks like a dad on vacation. Yes. They talk about hanging out after the game and Ray says maybe he'll get some kissalicious from the cheerleaders. <laughs> oh. Ew. <laughs> Robbie comes in, he kind of wants to avoid Ray, but Ray calls him over, and Robbie tells him that he's not missed at the station. Yeah, oof. And we get kind of like a major blowout between Robbie and Ray, of Ray wanting him to be happy for his success, and saying that Robbie's jealous of him attaining all of this, while Robbie's frustrated that he's kind of abandoned the show and yeah. their friendship. In the future, I foresee these tragic events. Stock market crash, two world wars, and the Olsen twins building an entertainment empire. Robbie's despondent and he goes back to RFR. <laughs> and we're in the middle of Travis practicing his Nostradamus impression. 
I would listen to a show's worth of Travis content. It's just so freaking weird. It's a pretty funny bit. Yeah. It's got Ralph Waldo Emerson and the Buddha quotes. Ooh, yeah. He's got range. He's well read. Why does he know all of these quotes? Like, does he just have like a little catalog in his brain? It's what he thinks about when he's in the sensory deprivation tank. Travis is just like the sea of calm often for his friends. He's yeah, just like, guys, he's just, just chill out. Supportive. It's all going to be okay. Unless somebody pushes him. And yes. then, don't make me hurt you. Yes. <laughs> and Todd Bell, <laughs> he proves he fits in because he was shooting the ball like it was a cinder block. So after the, the following basketball game, we cut to Ray's commentary, and the game didn't go so well, and Ray's not afraid to, to say it, so yeah. he's roasting the team on air, and we get this shot of them at the window with a roll of tape, and over the radio, we hear them kind of, like, attacking him and taping him to his chair, um, while the rest of the gang is listening at the station, and Robbie decides to take off, and Lily asks why he's doing it, because Ray kind of deserves it after everything, and Robbie's like, he's my best friend. You yeah. Know? I love how the jocks decide to, like, attack him, like, in the middle of him being on the air. Yeah. So how many people were listening to Cougar Radio, and just suddenly he's just like, no! And then yeah. he just cuts to Bumper, like, yeah. How How is not, like, a whole bunch of people, like, checking on him? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Ray was pretty adamant to Robbie that he could say whatever he wanted on Cougar Radio, and obviously that is not the case. I like that they have the decency to hit the little end jingle, though. Yeah, yeah, they use the Cougar Radio bumper to kind of cover for the fact <laughs> that they just took Ray forcibly off the air. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Travis and Lily have to cover for Robbie, who's gone off to rescue Ray. And Lily tries to suddenly say, let's just talk instead yeah. of you doing a dumb bit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Travis. Back at the station, Kim comes in. Ray thinks she's there to to save him and is looking for sympathy after the attack. But she's fully on their side because he wasn't promoting the cougars, so she doesn't want to hear it. It's like, mmm, somebody's making nachos and bacon. And then you realize it's your dad's feet. We cut back to the station and Travis is doing this weird bit about smells. And it's obviously really bad, but he's just looking to Lily for approval. And he's just so, like, bright-eyed and, like, ready to... Uh, she's trying to choose her words carefully to like not crush him uh, but obviously it was terrible back at the school ray finally free from the the tape trap apologizes to to todd and says that's just how he acts with his friends and todd's like we're not friends oh ray's confused um and like asks him to explain and says that they were two days away from a low five what is the the, gauge for that what is the ray brennan friendship yeah what constitutes like the different levels of friendship yeah like i i've never considered like oh i'm close with this person we low fived once yeah i don't think i've ever given anybody a low five no that's very rare it's yeah it's a weird one robbie and ray have a little heart to heart in the gym um and they make up and robbie which i think is really sweet uh robbie says just think of it as another thing we've been through together yeah which is a really nice sentiment ray of course immediately calls him super corny and stuff and robbie even admits to ray that he was a little bit jealous of of ray's stardom but they've made up and it's really sweet and then they both clue into the fact that they've left lily and travis to run the station and (laughs) get this great sort of double take moment where they book it for the radio station oh god They return to the station, Ray and and Lily kind of make up, and then uh, Ray turns to to Travis and says he's been been listening and is trying to choose his words carefully, and Travis like, you can give it to me straight, but is very much like still in his little like bright-eyed boy once- 
want some validation here. And Robbie and Lily just kind of shrug, be like, I don't know, man. And Ray's like, you you suck. <laughs> your, your bits are terrible. I feel so and Travis kind of looks at her and he's like, wait, you all felt like this? I feel so bad for Travis because like in the last couple of episodes, he's like, hey, you're part of the team. You should talk more and stuff. And I was like, the fuck <laughs> up, Travis. You suck. Talk <laughs> you're not good at this. Now, I'm not saying I'm the pepperoni on this pizza, but let's face it. The only interesting thing question Mark's been asking lately is, guys, when's Pronto getting back? We close out the episode with Pronto back on the air, um, kind of joking around the way that he always does, roasting Robbie and, and Lily. He does actually a very good Robbie impression. Yeah, I have that in my notes too. It's like a super good impression of Robbie being like asking where Pronto's back. And I also just love as soon as Ray gets back, he's like ditched his friends. He's made them feel bad and stuff like that. And he's he's coming back apologetic. And then as soon as he gets back on, he's just dunking on everyone again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could have could have done something about his craw. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it's just like first tactic. Yeah. is to roast the two of them. Yeah, after insulting they've been very understanding stuff. Oh man. Uh, but everything's be back to normal. The world is how it should be at yes. RFR. The gang is back together. So that's uh, the end of Sports Radio. We're going to pop over to Mickey's Discs. Yeah, so over in Mickey's Discs, we've got Slim Boy Fat by One Drop, Cameras Everywhere by The Carnations, Hey Hey by The Carnations, Today is the Day by Kid Gib. Surfin' in Tofino by the Planet Smashers. They're back, baby. Oh, so it's much always Planet, the Planet Smashers. Smashers. Limpin' Biscuit by One Drop. A lot of One Drop as well. Um, La Breeze by Simeon. Safe in the Nick of Time by Knacker, of course. And Business at Hands by Vibrolux. My favorite from this episode was Cameras Everywhere by the Carnations, which is the song that plays while they're all waiting around for Ray. It's gonna be blah, 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 blah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my impression of the Carnations. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's really hard to find anything about the Carnations. Their official website is just a page that says hello in plain text. (laughs) It's just some flowers. It's just some flowers. But they were a Canadian indie rock band that started in 1995. It was founded by Thomas Darcy on lead vocals and bass and Steve Kreklow on vocals and guitar. And then later on, Nathan Recker on guitar and vocals and Patrick Conan on drums joined them. So this song is from their 2003 album, In Good Time. I was able to find a review from Exclaim. We saw an Exclaim poster in a background shot recently. Big Canadian music publication. Ignore the fact that the opening track of the Carnation's In Good Time sounds an awful lot like Chicago. It's what follows that counts. Finally releasing their debut full-length album following numerous EPs and splits for duct tape records, after seven years of hard times, this Toronto quartet embraces the kind of good-time pop rock that has brought Hot Hot Heat international success. Though their aim is more of a straight-ahead power pop sound than Hot Hot Heat, they do evoke the spirit of retro artists like the Cars and the Raspberries to help play the role of the rapturous songbird. In Good Time offers some of the best Canadian guitar pop in recent memory, Filling in the void left by bands such as The Hardship Post and Thrush Hermit. It's a good name for band. The Carnations shine with tight, hook-filled tracks like I've Got Spies and East Detroit, which reveal just how energetic their performances can get. Hopefully this record will provide a little more stability for the band compared to their manic past. 
they disbanded the following year <laughs> so i guess it didn't but it's a really fun song it's just it's a shame i can't actually find it to listen to anywhere other than this little excerpt we get in the episode <laughs> yeah so that's episode 13 of pfr and rfr so you can follow us if you don't already we're on all the social medias we're podcast free roscoe on facebook and instagram and pod free roscoe on twitter you can also send us an email to podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com or better yet, send us a voice clip and we'll feature you as a caller on, on the show. We'd love to hear from you. It'd be real cool. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. Mm-hmm.